And our third panelist is Jose Antonio Ocampo, an eminent Latin American economist. Uh, he has combined public service, initially as Minister of Finance and as chairman of a board of the Central Bank in his native Colombia, as executive director of ECLAC, the Economic Commission for the United Nations and the Caribbean of the, uh, the United Nations, uh, and subsequently as undersecretary for the Department of Social and Economic Affairs of the United Nations. In the best tradition of Latin American economists, he has specialized in the impact of the international system with its chronic inequalities of power, inequalities of access to resources, which forces deficit countries into undertaking um, costly deflationary and pro-cyclical adjustments to external shocks. In the case of the great financial crisis, uh, the global one shocks to which they contributed nothing and for which they have no responsibility. Um, what else do we do we have, know about Mr. Ocampo? He has um, published a lot of scholarly work and as I said, managed to combine public service with, with scholarly research. He is also a member of the same Stiglitz Commission uh, and the recipient, uh, as, is also, is, as is Jomo, of the Leontief Prize for Outstanding Original Work. I, do, I would wish I could cite for you the terms of reference of the Leontief Prize because I do believe that those who have been honored to receive that particular prize are a very special set of people who have confronted mainstream doctrines with facts and analysis of facts. That is what Leontief believed in, that we have to collect the facts and see what really happens and not be carried away by all kind of uh, theorizing. Well, let me um, start by, by thanking the uh, Halifax Initiative and the North-South Institute for this uh, invitation uh, to be with you today. Um, I am following uh, two very interesting uh, presentations uh, uh, to which uh, I cannot contribute another PowerPoint. Uh, and, uh, I hope the uh, you know let me my my comments will be clear to you. Uh, the um, the Stiglitz Commission, uh, this commission called by the President of the General Assembly, uh, of which uh, Joe and myself were uh, members. Uh, it was a group of 15 uh, members uh, led by Professor uh, Joseph Stiglitz. Uh, the report, which uh, was uh, put out in its final form in uh, September 21st, if I'm not wrong, uh, it, it had, uh, had several generations, in a sense, um, uh, including uh, some recommendations that were approved by the Commission in uh, April and were presented to the, uh, uh, to the uh, United Nations members 
uh, for you know preparation of what was later on the the June uh, conference on the crisis and the impacts on on development. Um, uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the first complete draft of the report was actually circulated before the meeting uh, so that uh, it was available, let's say, had been available for discussion for some time. Uh, the report itself has in this final form six chapters, uh, one uh, which is a diagnostic chapter and one which is a concluding chapter, uh, which implies, uh, well, the, actually the diagnostic chapter is quite interesting, uh, probably for this group, uh, because it's, uh, it's about the the only report uh, which emphasizes uh, the role of growing uh, global inequalities uh, and uh, as the, one of the major sources of the crisis. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the report then has, you know, the, uh, gets into four major issues, the macroeconomic policies, the regulatory policies, uh, the issues of global governance, and some issues that uh, are meant, uh, are under the heading of financial innovations, Though this is a different type of innovation to, to the ones that are in the world. So, so much so there was a discussion on the title whether we should call them innovations uh, uh, because uh, of the bad names that I guess of the word financial innovations came to. But uh, I will uh, refer to some of the issues uh, in, uh, in, in these different sections. Um, um, you know, just selecting uh, some of the uh, some issues that may be particularly interesting to emphasize today. Um, on the on the global macroeconomic issues, uh, uh, let me uh, uh, point out uh, very briefly that um, the, the report uh, makes uh, a, a, you know a special emphasis on two issues that have been uh, largely outside the discussion. The first one is the uh, the point that that the, uh, that most of the uh, stimulus packages that have been offered. Uh, to developing countries are uh, uh, generate new forms of debt. Now, uh, uh, now additional debt uh, for many developing countries, uh, particularly for the poor countries, which have undertaken very painful processes uh, of debt reduction in recent decades, uh, and uh, in the case of the uh, poor countries, were subject to uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to the uh, highly indebted. Uh, uh, Poor Countries Initiative first, and then to the Multilateral Debt Relief Initiative, is probably not the appropriate way to stimulate, uh, because most countries are uh, may be unwilling, uh, given that history, to uh, to get into debt. So uh, we emphasize the fact that for, uh, for uh, that a, a good stimulus package at the world level should have uh, a greater component of aid. Uh, particularly that uh, in relation to the poorest countries of the world. Now, in, in turn, the, uh, one of the major uh, challenges in, uh, in, 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 in debt flows, in financial flows, let's say, is uh, how to incorporate into the uh, financial uh, stimulus packages, let's say, the, uh, uh, the assets of, of countries that, uh, particularly developing countries, which have large amount of uh, resources, which can be made available to other developing countries. You know, China, of course, being the uh, remarkable example, but many others. Uh, and we point out in the, in the report that one of the major problems is that, you know, those uh, countries are uh, maybe unwilling to give, to provide them through the typical multilateral financial institutions uh, due to the pro problems of governance, that they, the fact that they are underrepresented in those institutions. 
So we, we propose that, you know, probably new forms of financing have to be designed to channel those, those funds. And actually some developing countries themselves have been doing that. I mean, China has been extremely active uh, providing financing for many developing countries uh, during the crisis uh, in different forms, including swaps uh, of a of central bank to other developing countries, uh, but also uh, different forms of lending. Um, uh, but the, but the, the idea is somehow that the, the new ways have to be thought, probably a special fund that can be uh, uh, managed by the international financial institutions or with the staff uh, led by those institutions that will allow that uh, 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 financial transactions to take place. Now, in the uh, global uh, regulatory issue, uh, many of the uh, topics uh, have been dealt with. Um, uh, and, well, we had a, a presentation that, you know, largely, uh, uh, you know, uh, by, prof by Professor Friedman, who uh, uh, presented many of the major issues uh, that are, uh, are on the table, you know, which are, uh, um, let's say, um, in, in, in the report. So le let me uh, perhaps just, uh, you know, point out a, a few issues in which uh, the, the Commission is, uh, is different to other reports. I think the uh, major uh, point uh, is the emphasis on, on the role of capital account uh, liberalization in the financial problems, uh, particularly developing countries. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's remarkable, actually, that in the whole discussion taking place in the G20, this issue has not been on the table. Uh, and, the, and what, in terms of regu regulation, needs to be done uh, to manage not only uh, domestic financial uh, uh, risk, but also uh, those associated with, uh, with you know, in, in, in cross-country capital flows. So uh, our point is that they should be uh, brought into the discussion and that you know, there actually may be some forms of capital account regulation that may be necessary to, uh, to increase uh, uh, financial stability worldwide. Um, the other issue, uh, uh, another issue that, uh, that is emphasized in the report and that was subject to a, a lot of discussions actually in the first meeting uh, that, we, uh, that took place, relates to the issue of host versus home country regulations. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, in a sense, many of the uh, major problems that have been, uh, uh, have been faced by some countries, you know, Iceland being a, a remarkable example, uh, is, uh, is the fact that it's unclear, actually, uh, what regulation applies, let's say, uh, to, uh, to some flows, and then uh, who is, uh, you know, uh, bearing the public sector risk at the end. And, and, of course, for those countries, it has been extremely painful. Now, this also has to do, uh, of course, with the fact that the who is going to, uh, to regulate uh, and, and one particular uh, emphasis, which is macroprudential regulations. Uh, and, uh, you know, we come definitely in favor of, of host country uh, rather than home country, uh, which means that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, since the uh, business cycle that is the relevant one for, is the, that of the host country, uh, it is the host country regulation that should prevail always over the home country regulation. In fact, uh, we come in, the, in favor of the idea of, of uh, forcing uh, global financial institutions to establish subsidiaries uh, uh, wherever they operate, uh, so as to be subject to those host country regulations, uh, uh, which I think is a, is a very interesting twist 
um, in, in, a, in, in a world in which, in a sense, uh, you know, the, uh, the financial regulations will not be those of industrial countries, but it will largely be, in the case of developing countries, those of developing countries. And we also emphasize the fact, uh, and, and this is important, that uh, beyond the issues of uh, regulation, uh, we, the countries should uh, undertake uh, financial policies, uh, which are broader in the scope, uh, in a re regulation which has to do basically with one aspect of financial policy, which is, uh, let's say, the management of risk, uh, is only a very partial issue, and uh, that there are a broader issues that have to be taken into account, uh, which are basically the issues of access, uh, access by everyone to finance, uh, particularly by the poor who don't have access to finance, uh, as well as uh, in, the, in the case of developing country, the, uh, extending the, the, let's say, the maturity of lending, uh, uh, which is a particularly important problem in almost all developing countries for small and medium-sized enterprises, that the only financing that they get is relatively short-term, mm -hmm. and that uh, constrains the possibility uh, of, um, you know, of investing. In the, in the third issue, the, the issues of global governance, um, uh, there is, a, of course, the debate and the endorsement to the uh, existing debates going on uh, on, uh, in relation to the governance of uh, the, the uh, different international financial institutions, uh, particularly, but not only the Bretton Woods Institution, because there are many, many more uh, around, including the, uh, for instance, the regulatory bodies. Uh, actually, the regulatory bodies are much worse. Uh, now, the, uh, you know, traditionally, they only had the G7, in the case of the Financial Stability uh, uh, for, uh, uh, Forum, now board. Uh, but in the case of the Basel Committee, had no developing country as a member, uh, so that you know the uh, the issues of uh, of a equitable uh, governance structure uh, have been particularly uh, have been much worse in uh, in institutions outside the Bretton Woods. Actually, so if you think the Bretton Woods are the worst case, uh, think of the others, please, uh, which are much worse. Uh, so the, 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 the so the, it has a broader uh, idea of the governance structures and how to rebalance the, those governance structures to correspond to today's, uh, let's say, realities. But the major recommendation uh, in, uh, in, in that chapter uh, is to create um, a, a Global Economic Coordination Council, uh, which is, a, if, if I may say, a sort of institutionalized, uh, you know, L or G20. Um, um, so we, uh, the, the Commission felt strongly that uh, the global regulatory, uh, I mean, the global coordination of economic policies and actually, you could say, economic, social, and environmental policies should be entrusted to, to one institution, uh, which should be set up, set up uh, in the United Nations. So it is the, in a sense, it's endorsement of the old idea uh, of uh, what some people have called the, uh, the uh, Economic Security Council. Uh, but uh, with some uh, uh, twist that uh, I, I think make this proposal quite novel. Um, uh, the, the first one is that uh, it, it should be uh, a, a body that uh, should be uh, overseeing, uh, not the, or should be seen as, as regulating not the United Nations, but the United Nations system. Uh, uh, which I, is an important difference because the United Nations organization uh, is, um, you know, at least the Bretton Woods institutions, although formally part, 
uh, of the United Nations system don't feel they are part of the United Nations organizations. And, and one major institution, uh, which is WTO, is formally not even a UN institution. So the proposal is actually to bring uh, the uh, WTO into the United Nations system uh, and have a body uh, which is different to ECOSOC, because ECOSOC will uh, continue to deal uh, basically with the United Nations organizations, uh, including uh, its loose relations with the uh, specialized agencies of the UN system. But this uh, council will be on top of the UN system that includes the Bretton Woods institutions and WTO. So it will be like the governing council uh, of the uh, major institutions, uh, which will be in charge of, uh, let's say, of uh, a, a giving broad guidelines on, the, on what these institutions and in a coordinated way should be doing. Uh, it should be uh, look at how to fill gaps in international uh, you know, regulation of different sorts uh, and, um, uh, and, and do a, a process of monitoring of the uh, actions of the major institutions. It will be supported by, according to the proposal, by five uh, organizations, uh, which are actually the, the ones that uh, attend the, uh, the G20 now, uh, at, at the last meeting of the G20 when ILO was invited. So there will be the, uh, the United Nations organization, uh, the, uh, the two Bretton Woods institutions, WTO and ILO. Uh, so that the, uh, the five institutions that will be supporting the, uh, the council. Uh, uh, and also, an, an, you know, another uh, uh, important twist in the proposal is that it should be based on a constituency system uh, rather than in, on, on a one country, uh, let's say one vote system of the United Nations. So it would be a sort of mixed organization because uh, it will take into account uh, the, uh, they say the, the size of countries, the relevance they have in the world economy. Uh, but uh, every member of the United Nations will be represented the, through, the, through its constituency, um, uh, uh, which is, I think, one, I, I may say, what's one of the advantages, uh, actually, of the Bretton Woods institutions uh, uh, versus the representation in the United Nations itself, which is so, something that we can discuss later on. But, uh, uh, in, in, a, in a sense, when, when a, a country is elected to be a member of, let's say, of the Security Council or the Economic and Social Council in the UN, it does not represent anybody but, but itself. Uh, in, the, in the Bretton Woods institutions, uh, although it doesn't work very well, uh, you know, every member is represented in the board uh, uh, through its constituency. So it can potentially have a voice through uh, its constituency uh, in the board. So we propose that that should be adopted for this uh, Global Economic Coordination Council um, in, the, uh, in, in the United Nations uh, system. And well, finally, the, uh, in, in the area of financial innovations, uh, we, uh, we basically uh, we make many, many proposals, but I will present here only two, which are the proposals on the Global Reserve System uh, and the proposals of sovereign debt restructuring. Um, uh, perhaps the, the, the second is easier to explain because there, is, there are many, many more precedents. Um, uh, the, the idea is that um, uh, we should uh, change the non-system that we have in terms of sovereign debt restructuring for the creation um, uh, of an international debt restructuring court uh, that will uh, be in charge, let's say, of the process of mediation and eventual arbitration of, uh, of disputes uh, on, on international debt. So it's, uh, if I may say, it's sort of a Paris club 
but uh, including the uh, 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 private creditors uh, in, 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 the, in the system. Uh, this is uh, essentially because of the, the, the current system uh, uh, is uh, both inequitable, inequitable in the way it deals differently with the lenders and debtors, and particularly inefficient uh, because uh, it, it does not provide uh, debt relief at the appropriate time. It, you know, it sometimes provides that relief, but you know, when countries have undergone crisis for you know a long time, even a decade or two decades. Now, the global reserve system uh, uh, proposal is, in a sense, uh, the uh, the most novel one, and uh, and tries to uh, to uh, 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 let's say to face the the three major problems of the of the current global reserve system. Uh, the, the first one is that uh, it's inequitable. Uh, because it essentially forces uh, developing countries to accumulate a large amount of international reserves, which is nothing else but a transfer of resources to, to, uh, uh, to uh, the major industrial countries, and particularly the major provider uh, of the leading international currency, that is the United States, uh, in the form of you know, international reserves. And this has actually grown through time because of, of the sequence of crisis, so that it has uh, increased from 3% of GDP in a typical middle-income country uh, to 26% of GDP. So it has a huge, a huge uh, amount of resources that the countries are putting uh, into uh, in international reserves and essentially in uh, treasury bonds or another uh, sort of, uh, of a, a, you know, security. It's, it's an unstable system. Um, uh, because it basically uh, uh, subjects the world economy to the cycles of the U.S. economy. Uh, you know, the U.S. economy, uh, because being the leading currency, is subject to, uh, to cycles very much in the way the, uh, Robert Triffin uh, predicted in the 1960s or, or analyzed in the 1960s. So periods in which uh, there is uh, waves of confidence and lack of confidence in the U.S. dollar that get transmitted as, as, uh, as global shocks. Um, and, and it's quite clear that uh, the major adjustments of the U.S. dollar have involved world recessions, uh, with one uh, only, uh, only one exception. Uh, so that the uh, that in fact the, this is a major international shock that the world economy is uh, going through. Uh, and and, uh, and finally, the the system has the the problem that the the uh, the provision of liquidity uh, the, the, through the system does have no, has no relation with the, the demand for liquidity at the international level. So it, it goes through, through periods in which it may be said to be inflationary, I mean, during periods of boom in the world economy, uh, you know, the creation of liquidity has been excessive uh, by all means, which is one of the problems that has been analyzed in relation to global imbalances. But during crisis, the, uh, the recurrent problem that, uh, that the Keynes uh, 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 emphasized in, in, uh, in uh, his original proposal for the IMF, let's say, uh, come, which is that it becomes deflationary uh, because the burden of adjustment falls on deficit countries with no equal uh, you know, burden of adjustment on surplus countries. So these are all issues that you know, are not easy to resolve uh, uh, at the same time, but the, uh, the proposal essentially, uh, essentially involves a, uh, a, the creation of true global reserve currency, uh, which can be built uh, on the basis of the special drawing rights uh, of the uh, of the IMF, but could be uh, you know done you know in another fashion. I, I personally think that the only way to go is actually to build on the special drawing rights. 
So the idea is that the, uh, the, uh, there will be issues in, uh, of special drawing rights, which in the long term will be equivalent to the additional demand for liquidity, which uh, we estimate to be in the order of $150 to $300 billion a year, um, based on, 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 let's say, past patterns. Now, that liquidity will not be provided necessarily uh, you know, on equal installments through time, uh, but it will be uh, issued in a countercyclical way. So that uh, it, essentially in the long term, it, it will be equivalent to this amount, but the, the issues will, be, will take place during crisis, uh, so as to provide uh, a, an additional stimulus for world economic recovery. Um, and, the, and it will be associated in turn uh, to the financing that can be provided to countries during crisis. So uh, no, in, 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 you can think of different ways, but uh, um, you know, the, actually Jack Pollack, the, the uh, IMF economist, pro uh, proposed something of the sort about three decades ago. You know, but one proposal that you can think of is to take the, the special drawing rights that are not used by countries as deposits in the IMF, which can then be used to, to finance uh, countries uh, that, that need uh, uh, balance of payments support uh, during crisis, uh, which would be just a slight uh, change in the way uh, actually the uh, special drawing rights are, defi are, are defined. And finally, they will have a development link. Uh, much of the discussions of the 1960s in the, by a famous UNCTAD panel um, in, in led by, 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 by late Professor Kahn uh, emphasize, uh, and, the, uh, and there are two ways to think of the development link. Uh, one is, of course, the proposal to, uh, to, uh, to do, you know, to transform the issues of, uh, uh, of special growing rights to developed countries into uh, some form of aid, you know, which is one way of doing it. Uh, but uh, that some members of the Commission uh, were unhappy with because it's mixing fiscal and monetary, in a say, uh, operations. So the, uh, the other proposal that we present is that the, uh, the IMF could uh, be allowed to, to buy bonds from the development banks, from the multilateral development banks, with those deposits of or SDR that are not used by countries. So instead of uh, using those for, to buy treasury bonds of different countries, um, you know, they will essentially buy bonds from the World Bank, the regional development banks, which will allow this, those banks to, to be financed, which is very similar to the proposal made in the 1960s um, um, uh, uh, by the uh, by the panel. And finally, um, uh, one uh, 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 additional point is that uh, the, the Commission emphasizes the very positive role that regional uh, monetary arrangements should have in the world economy. That in a sense, we, we have uh, too few uh, regional monetary funds, uh, and that there is a possibility of uh, uh, creating uh, more funds. I mean, the Chiang Mai initiative is the most important uh, of all, uh, but there is also the Latin American Reserve Fund, which is much smaller, and that you know, by multiplying this, we will have actually more stable world, econ uh, world economy. And we actually propose that uh, the, the new mechanism, if, if the U.S. is not willing to move into, ad, uh, into it, uh, could be built uh, down up uh, by arrangements or by agreements among the different regional funds uh, to accept their own, uh, let's say, uh, uh, assets and liabilities by other reserve funds, uh, and, uh, and in this way, you know, essentially create the, uh, in a different way the same idea of a global reserve currency. Thank you very much.